This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. You're joining us today for a special episode in our 2023 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing. So I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish, and it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished, and I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters, and with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. So our guest for this episode is Ron Bunch. Ron is the president and CEO of the Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce, a five-star accredited chamber, which has been invited to apply for Chamber of the Year by ACCE for nine of the last 10 years making it to the finalist stage five of those years. You can see some or listen to some of Ron's past appearances on Chamber Chat Podcast in episodes 24 and 182. But since Ron has joined the Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce, their community has announced over $6.5 billion in capital investment and more than 12,050 new jobs. Bowling Green has been ranked in the top six nationally by Site Selection Magazine, for the top 10 metros for new new and expanding facilities for populations under 200,000 for 10 consecutive years, including number one overall in 2018, and won three consecutive Matt Conway Awards from Site Selection Magazine, which recognized the team as a top 20 economic development organization in the country for their performance in 2020, 2021, and 2022. In 2022, the community announced its second largest project in the history of Kentucky at $2 billion and 2,000 jobs. Ron, I'm excited to have you back with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. And first of all, congratulations to you and your team as being selected as a Chamber of the Year finalist again. I'd love for you to say hello to all the Chamber champions who are listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. 
Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on here. And I really do appreciate this opportunity. We've been very blessed as a chamber and a community. And so thank you for having us on to talk about that. But um, I'm not that interesting. So let me let me dig down <laughs> and see if I can t- get a more uh, um, current thing. So both of my daughters got married last year. Okay. Uh, so two in one year. And then I became a grandfather about a month ago now. So my oldest daughter just had a little girl. So I got to be a grandpa, so I'm excited about that. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. We'll just start calling you Grandpa Ron, right? There you go. <laughs> Works that's, for me. That's exciting. So, um, well, tell us all a little bit more about the Bowling Green Area Chamber. Size of the chamber, scope of work, staff, budget. Just give us that perspective before we get into the, the programs that we cover in this episode. Sure. So we're a fairly complex chamber. We actually run six different companies. Uh, Our chamber part of our business is about a $2.4 million annual budget. Uh, Got around 1,300 partners or members, as many would call them. And um, and we do a a wide variety of things with those other organizations that we also run. We have a staff of about 18 to 19 people, depending on how you look at contract work. Um, But we do everything from uh, land, securing land, designing land, uh, preparing land, to building speculative buildings to the traditional things you would understand with the Chamber of Networking events and other activities. So pretty broad range of things in those six organizations with six different boards. Yeah. So in your between that explanation and your bio, you guys are heavy in the economic development work, which is awesome. You guys are making a huge impact there. Um, so just for the for the listeners out there, the kind of the format that I like to do with these Chamber of the Year finalist interviews is I like to focus on the two programs that you included in your Chamber of the Year application for 2023. Um, maybe at just at a high level, tell us what those two programs are, and then we can circle back and dig a little deeper in both of them. Sure. You know, and, and the two different programs, one was the Trans Park, which is the industrial park that we develop through the Intermodal Transportation Authority that we run. It's about a 2,000 acre park, and we landed most recently uh, Envision in that park. Envision AESC, that's the $2 billion, 2,000 job project. So we've talked about how we expanded the park and landed the project. And the second um, summary was about what we're doing with SCK, which is our region, South Central Kentucky launch, which is uh, learning about unique and new careers here. The portion of that program that focuses on eighth graders when you know young people are really learning their interests and aptitudes, we help bring a real um, detailed look at what's in the economy, what types of jobs and careers are here so that we can match that up with our interests and aptitude screening that happens at the school level. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited to to dig in a little deeper on both of these, kind of learn the details, maybe sure. some of the origins and, and how you guys got to where you are now. Uh, first, we'll, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and dive in a little bit deeper. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. 
Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you looking for a way to promote your business community? Look no further than Pippoli. With Pippoli, you can get all the tools you need to connect with your members, promote your businesses, and grow your community. Pippoli offers a wide range of features, including a state-of-the-art community website, a community clicker mobile app for businesses, members, and the community, a marketplace where businesses can present professional services and even sell their products, a powerful event management and community calendar system, a comprehensive commerce community management system, and a complete membership services department, all included. And best of all, Pipley is only $1 per member per month after a small initial setup. That's a fraction of the cost of other management platforms. So, what are you waiting for? Sign up for Pipley today and start growing your business community. Book a time to learn more at pippily.com. That's P-I-P-P-I-L-Y.com to book a time to meet and learn more. We'll show you how Pippily can help you promote your business community and grow your subscriptions. Howdy, it's Donna Novitsky here, CEO of Yifty. Fun fact about local businesses. Did you know that small businesses employ 57% of the U.S.'s non-government workforce? Many of these small businesses are your chamber members. We are here to help you help them. As you heard last week, we do digital gift cards for 500 plus communities and we call them community cards. Our chamber partners get a custom gift card branded for you that works exclusively in your member stores. The program is free for you and free for your members. We even give you reports so you can tell them how much business you brought them. Sign up for a live Zoom demo with me or one of my teammates at yifty.com slash demo or email sales at yifty.com. That's Y-I-F-T-E-E dot com. That's it for now. Back to the show. All right, Ron, we're back. Um, so let's let's go in a little bit deeper about the, this TransPark uh, project and the Envision um, project you know, that you guys attracted there. Tell us what what is the scope of this project? What were some of the origins and evolution of it to get you to where we are today? with this big economic development win. No, I appreciate that. So, you know, the beginning story really is us continuing our engagement with the public sector, um, the ITA, the Intermodal Transportation Authority that owns the park is funded by the city and the county. And we operate that public entity. And we've, uh, thanks to the success we've had, we found ourselves in a place where there was a scarcity of land that needed to be developed. And, Although it was during COVID, we approached the city and the county 
to go ahead and issue bonds so that we could acquire more property to be ready for prospect activity um, during COVID. And they supported us with a $46 million bond issue. Uh, as we began bringing that property on, our pipeline for projects was very active. We we're actually meeting with four or five different um, EV battery projects at the time, uh, shortly after we were acquiring the property. And we narrowed down to our conversations with Envision. And um, in those conversations, we determined we needed to buy some additional property. And so we had to go back to the city and the county to get almost another $12 million of investment just to acquire the property we were going to need to site the project. Because That's always the, fun to go back and ask for more, right? <laughs> yeah, after we had, but they first thought we needed $25 million, it ended up being $46 million, then we came back for another twelve. So <laughs> we have an amazing relationship that we've built over the years with our city and county government. So they knew the kind of return they would get. So even during COVID, when not many people were bringing new property to the market, we had their confidence and we were able to do that. So, I mean, uh, we could do probably a whole show on that that conversation, how we got there with those kind of numbers. But um, so now we've acquired the property. We're in deep conversations with Envision. We finally put together the package to get him get them here. Um, but in that, we determined we needed um, around, uh, let's see, uh, almost 60 million in infrastructure improvement. Uh -huh. So we got with our lobbyist and then we went directly to the legislature, met with Senate and House, convinced them uh, for uh, about $15 million in road improvements and around 43, $46 million in water and sewer improvements that would position us to, to land the project. And through all that collaboration, we were able to pull a project together, uh, announced it with the governor and everybody else on stage. And at that time, it became the second largest investment in the entire history of Kentucky. Obviously, our largest investment in the history of Bowling Green and Warren County. So, two billion and two thousand jobs. And the other great news is that the way we've configured the site, there can be further growth. So, it's entirely possible this could be much bigger than it even is today. So, it, it's great to be able to make an announcement of this big win of the. The financing being able to come in, um, the infrastructure, the improvements, the attraction of, of corporations coming. Um, what does a timeline look like from when <laughs> when that's announced to you know uh, the hopefulness, I guess, of, of seeing? Uh, I don't want to say completion, but maybe completion to this part of the vision because there's that room to to grow and continue into the future. But what what's the timeline looking like from from yeah, your best estimates. Excellent, excellent question. So, I mean, we announced that around April of last year, April of 22, and the 1.6 million square foot pad is developed. Steel is up, skin's uh -huh. going on the building. Um, they'll be soon delivering equipment. We'll have, uh, I don't know, somewhere around 300 individuals that come here from another country to help install the equipment. So by... You know, the December time frame, they ought to have equipment set and be well along in their hiring. So it is a very fast moving project. And that's, you know, one of the things that we've prided ourselves on is being able to move quickly from announcement to 
implementation, which helped us win that project. Yeah. So what are some of the, maybe the, I'll say the coattails of the project or some of the, the maybe lagging indicators or, or secondary benefits of, of a big project like this coming, like you mentioned, 300 employees from another country coming to help install it. I mean, that's hotels and restaurants and everything else. What, What other impact are you seeing through this? Yes, it's a tremendous amount of activities on both the things you've mentioned. You know, I'd say we probably have about a thousand contractors there, and then you'll have another 300 equipment installers come in. You know, obviously, I've been there, you know, a little over a year now. And so the overall impact and all the shopping, all the businesses happening at our local companies, food trucks that are coming out, you know, just a tremendous amount of chamber activity and other um, spillover benefits and multiplier effects. But then on the other side, this industry needs a whole supply chain with it. So uh, we've been courting a number of other uh, companies that would be in our market in order to supply and interact with this particular uh, major project. That's awesome. That, that's one of those things that, you know, every community dreams of having that that big, you know, economic windfall, so to speak, of, of having all the, the jobs, the, you know, the infrastructure, everything that comes along with it is such a great thing for the community. And um, I, I guess in, in our audience, you know, who people we're talking to would see it that way. Have you had any kind of pushback from anybody in the community of, you know, we don't need this kind of thing. And, and how do you address any, any negativity that may come with it? That's an excellent question. So we also run what we call the plant manager roundtable. So I do our existing business calls myself and we host that plant manager roundtable every two months. And, you know, with that kind of ramping up of manufacturing hiring alone, there's been some concern among other companies in being able to find talent because, you know, in the U.S. right now, you've got two open jobs for every individual position. Yeah. And so that, that's that been, you know, a, a thing we've had to navigate through and helping them understand. Because many of our companies that have been here a long time aren't as aware of how we build a custom talent sourcing strategy. And so it's given us an opportunity to go back with them and help walk them through all the different pieces and parts we've put together to help them find and develop talent. And so it's, it's led to a lot of good conversations. We really haven't had any other pushback on it other than how do we help our existing companies retain their talent and find new talent. And, you know, through some convening we've done, our city and county are investing about a quarter million annually in a talent recruitment campaign that's been ongoing for two years now. And so we've got many of the parts put together uh, it's just growing on that success now is what we're working on. Yeah, no, that is great. There's usually those those NIMBY people, right, that don't right. want it in their backyard. And and it sounds like those relationships have been built and and the timing's right and everything is just developed at a right, you know, the right cadence for this to unfold the way it has. Yeah. So congratulations. And people are, real, are really excited about it too because we're, you know, we've, we're about 18% manufacturing in our economy. That's you know, at least twice the national average. So manufacturing is really embraced here. And quite a bit of that is automotive related with Corvette being located here, Holly being headquartered here and, and other suppliers. And so having this new generation of um, propulsion for vehicles here in our community was something that was very welcomed. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So I would imagine that some of that workforce kind of plays in well to your SEC 
SCK launch program as well, if, if I'm not mistaken. Do you want to yeah, shift no, gears no. over into that and, and tell us maybe how the two are related? Absolutely. And uh, actually, SCK launch, that program was instrumental in us winning this project. So it was something they cited compared to other states that made a difference in their decision to come here. And that program has been great for a number of years now. We've actually had a hiring event, I think for four or five years now, a high school hiring event. And this year it was phenomenal. So many direct hires right out of high school. We also started a you know kind of somewhat related um, uh, heavy equipment program over the last year. And those first students got hired. And we had 23 students in the initial class and every one of them got hired. Um, we had a signing event that was extraordinary. So SCK Launch has been just instrumental in all that we're doing in the community. And it really, it's given us a different brand image in the community because of the amount of investment and how long and how deeply we've been engaged with the education infrastructure in our community. We've been doing you know, making investments and working on SCK launch for about 11 years now. And I've been here a little over 13. Um, okay. So it's been awesome. Uh, our other summary related to just a portion of that. So um, SCK launch is really a detailed go-to career program that is all day, every day in every school, K through 12 in Bowling Green and Warren County. Um, but the one we chose to focus on was the eighth grade portion. Okay. And so with the eighth grade portion, uh, we've actually hired a curriculum developer some years ago and uh, who came from education to help us build out modules for every core sector of our economy. So we run the data on what jobs are open every month, and we use that to inform how we look at our sectors. And so she's developed a curriculum that's shared with not just every eighth grader in Bowling Green and Warren County, but every eighth grader in our whole labor market. So for the first time ever, when eighth graders get assessed on their interests and aptitudes, every eighth grader in our regional labor market will learn about careers in manufacturing, careers in healthcare, careers in business professional services. And then they'll come to uh, what this year was a, a two-day hands-on career fair We've had so many students, we had to extend it to another day. So now we have two full days. Uh, we had about 35, 3,600 eighth graders go through the event, 45 businesses, hundreds of volunteers. So it's a big event. And just the excitement around it is is amazing. As you see eighth graders explore a career and then see that light turn on, they get excited about a, a job and a career that they never even knew existed. Yeah. So... I, I know a lot of eighth graders out there have no clue what they want. I know a lot of high schoolers until they get into you know the later part of their senior year and reality is hitting them in the face. That's exactly they're, right. They're needing to start making some decisions, right? So how does that, with the focus on the eighth graders, how do you, you talked about the aptitude test and everything, but what, what sort of things are playing into this to really help them catch a glimpse of what their future could look like and what direction they'd want to go? Yeah, I mean, the curriculum for each sector is crucial. So we are looking at, you know, how many open jobs, what do they pay, what's the pathway, you know, what positions can you get into with just a certificate? So it really maps all that out for every yeah. sector really well. So 
that's their first glimpse into really how broad the economy is, as well as the educators teaching it. And so that prepares them for what they then see. And we've broken the experience up into different worlds. So there's a world, as we would call it, for each of the sectors. And in that, you'd have equipment and employers. And so like in the healthcare sector, every eighth grader in our labor market would be able to come in and see a robotic surgical unit and and interact with it. Um, and so it's that kind of hands-on. They get to see law enforcement and you know get into the vehicle and, and check that stuff out. Uh, and so it's it's very hands-on. And we create a competition among the sectors where the students would get to vote which sector they liked best. And so it creates a kind of competition among the companies each year to up their game. Yeah. And things that are more and more engaging for the eighth graders. Because again, we want them to be excited about what they can go to and we want to create more of a poll. And then those eighth graders, after they do that, they begin selecting their career pathway for the whole high school experience. And so if you have discovered, oh, wow, I really think I want to be in healthcare, then you get in that career pathway starting in ninth grade. And we've invested in, for example, having an ambulance in the classroom. And so you're taught on the actual equipment that you will see in the field through your high school career at your home high school. And so that's the second part of the money we're going to raise beyond the 2.6 million is to put more and more of those hands-on career exploration things in each high school. That is awesome. And uh, just to be able to get that, that hands-on experience, like, you know, how often do you hear somebody who is committed and they, they decide to go to law school maybe, and then they get into a year of practicing law and realize they hate law. Right. And they, ne- they never spent any time in a law office before they got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and now they're, they're committed. So providing some experience when they're young, I think is so valuable. And I think we can all relate, you know, if you're doing something, you have an interest and an aptitude to do, you're going to enjoy it more. We've all had to do some things that maybe didn't fit our interests and aptitudes right. in our careers as professionals. But to find out in eighth grade, you know, sort of how you're wired and then be have that opened up to you at that point. And then we do, I mean, you touch on that other part. We, we do an um, externship program. So we take educators into business to inform them more so that they can reach the students and help them know. But we also do a, a, um, a hands-on career exploration for the high schoolers. So we seek to have every high schooler be in a on a business engagement um, career exploration in addition to the, what they're going to get in the classroom. So they're physically in a business during their high school career. So I guess a, a question that comes up for myself is as they go along this career exploration, if at some point they realize this really is not what I want to do, right? are they able to make that shift and somehow yep. within the, the program kind of realign what their values and their, their vision is? Awesome. Yeah, that's the great part about it. We've, um, through our engagement with the schools, in addition to guidance counselors, our schools have prioritized and put in place career counselors. So much better to learn during high school when it's not going to cost you anything to switch career pathways. Yeah. And so they, they're able to work with their schools and to take the lessons they have and the credits they have gained and then shift it over into another pathway that can get them to graduation. All right. That's great. Well, Ron, as we begin to wrap things up here, um, obviously you guys are making a, a huge impact in your community and that's what, what every chamber should be doing. 
But I wanted to see for, for those listening who are interested in taking their chamber up to the next level, what tips or action items might you have to offer to help them accomplish that? Yes. You know, when I read the Horizon Report, I think the focus on catalytic leadership is really that the thing. Um, while it may be risk to be out front and to actually lead change that your community needs, and then finding a way for it to connect with your business plan, uh, we've found that when we take that role, which we do quite a bit in a lot of different activities, it's really paid dividends for our community. And it's changed the way the community looks at the chamber and looks to the chamber. And then we've been able to find ways to make that work for us financially too, so that we can have a growing, prospering organization. And it's, for me personally, it's very rewarding to be able to do those kinds of things, to do things that have not yet been created, that do in fact solve a problem for groups of people and groups of businesses. Yeah, I'll step in there and be a, a leader for change, for sure. Yes, sir. Um, how do you, as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? I think the core of what we just talked about is that the, you know, for us, the thing we've started using, because I wanted to have a more of a specific approach for both chamber activities and now development activities, we use spin situation problem. Um, and so when you interact with, G, with each investor and you're really probing to understand what drives your business, what do you need, what keeps you up at night, what things can we help solve? When you do it on an individual basis annually and then you begin to aggregate those things, it'll point out some opportunities for you. And so I think the more we do those sorts of things with our business communities in our area, and then you apply that catalytic leadership to bring things to market that haven't existed before. I think there'll be a natural evolution to chambers and, and what we deliver, how we look at programs and events and that sort of thing. And it's, it's changed with us to our programs and events are shifting. The affinity programs that we bring on are shifting uh, and we're getting more and more value to the investors so that they get a good return. So it's it's increased engagement and it's decreased you know, appreciation because they know they're going to get something back in relation to what they're investing. And they know that we're going to be responsive. Right. Yeah, I think that, I think that's great. Um, Ron, I wanted to, to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who may want to learn more about those things you guys are doing there in the, the Bowling Green Area Chamber or, or anything else you touched on today. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect? Yeah, sure. The, either myself or my executive vice president, Meredith Rosansky, um, it would be ron at bgchamber.com or meredith at bgchamber.com. Um, anything that anybody would like to discuss that would help their organization, we'd love to engage with them. So just uh, shoot us an email. Uh, our main line is 270-781-3200 if you want to call us. Uh, we, we love engaging. We've got some upcoming visits by other communities to look at different facets of what we're doing here. I'm sure you do. I'm sure <laughs> that's a, you'd be a great location for a leadership trip for sure. Yeah, it's pretty nice too. We got some Corvettes here and you can get on a track. We can make sure you don't forget the visit. That's right. <laughs> well, Ron, I appreciate that. We'll get your contact information in our show notes for this episode, but 
want to wish you and your team best of luck with Chamber of the Year and, and congratulate you for all the great work that you guys are doing and really making an impact in your community. So appreciate all that. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing all these things so that we can all benefit from one another. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.